You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. This edition of It's My Money is brought to you by Brenthurst Wealth, your partner for global wealth creation. Welcome to It's My Money. It's My Money is brought to you by Brenthurst Wealth. And Brenthurst Wealth has been voted SA's top boutique wealth manager in both 2017 and 2020 and is consistently in the upper quartile of that particular category. With me today is Suzanne Hellman. And Suzanne, we're talking about something that can sometimes be very, very tricky. And one of them is trickier than others. And the first one is divorce. And the second one is retirement savings. I'm just going to read you the first couple of lines from your piece, which you kindly sent me. It says getting married requires careful consideration. Tell me about it around joint finances and is best navigated with the guidance of a financial planning professional. So what you're saying is get rid of the emotions, Suzanne, but also say that you know, some marriages don't work out. So be prepared, whether you're the man or the woman in the partnership. Hello, Lindsay. Good afternoon, listeners. Yes, exactly that. When you get married, you everything is roses and white picket fences and all that. But unfortunately, <laughs> we grow. And sometimes we grow apart and sometimes it's better to go our separate ways. So when you navigate a split, a divorce. You have to do that with the guidance of a financial planning professional, especially where it comes to retirement funds, because that often um, delivers a very tricky situation where decisions needs to be made. Okay, so what are you saying that when you when you get married, you say, Look, just in case something happens, we need to uh, sort out our retirements, whether they be joint retirements in our partnership, our marriage, or whether they be uh, individual retirement provisions if we do split up. Is that the first thing that you say to people after they've got married? No, absolutely not. Obviously, when you are getting married, people doesn't want to speak about that. I'm more focused on... um, at the date of divorce, what happens? What is the consequences and what can happen to retirement annuities and preservation funds, pension funds, provident funds? Because a lot of people are um, not aware, can say the, the spouse that's left more destituted where, say for instance, I know I'm very generalizing now, but mostly, it's the husbands that were the main breadwinner. The woman um, had a smaller income. She looked after the kids. Now they get separated. And I found in my line of work that a lot of women aren't aware of what what's their rights within the Divorce Act. What can they claim against their ex-husband's retirement funds? What is their, what's the feet that they can stand on? Um, so my article that I've written recently is basically focusing on that and trying to educate everyone out there what their rights is with regards to these proceedings and matters. It's very interesting because you wrote this article a year ago and it appeared, but you've updated it. And that tells me that this is a fluid situation that needs to be updated all the time. So couples need to update their details all the time as well. And before we get into that, just tell me something. Are divorce rates going up in South Africa? And if so, amongst which sector of the population? Absolutely. So we've seen a spike in the divorce rate as the tensions, obviously, of post-lockdowns creating extra pressures, both financially and emotionally, 
on marriages. The last statistics I got was in um, actually 2018, which is quite a number of years back, where it showed that only four in 10 South African marriages gets to celebrate their 10th anniversary. Hmm. And if you keep in mind that young couples nowadays don't really actually get married, they live together, they've got customary um, agreements. So these split up, if I can put it in inverted commas, aren't even factored into this specific stats that are looking at actual divorces. And if you look at the number, the highest rate of divorces is actually under the black African community and the white African community then follows suit with the second highest and then compared that to the colored community and the Indian community. So, yeah, there's absolutely a trend, which is the higher, but it seems like the white community are actually got higher divorce rates now going into the new um, statistic seasons. There's a definite increase under the white community. What are the rules when it comes to someone who hasn't actually got married in a church or at the Department of Home Affairs or at a registry office or something? Do the people, do the two people in the partnership have the same rights if they're not actually physically married with a piece of paper? It's a very interesting question. I haven't come across an actual case like that, Lindsay, where I can tell you this happened. I would uh, uh, expect that if they've lived for a very long time, I think the year, the amount of years is five years to be recognized as a customary marriage. So once you've reached that, they, I'm sure you will have the, the uh, acts and the legal aspects to back you up, to claim against your partner's retirement annuity funds for maintenance for, uh, for kids, uh, for instance. I'm sure you will have a claim. It's a, a good question um, and it's definitely something I would um, go and investigate further. Um, I'm specifically looking at actual marriages in South Africa during my current piece, but that's a okay. very good thing for future. Yeah, because common law marriage is, is something that is very, very well developed in Europe, for example, where I live at the moment. But on the other hand, uh, I don't know if it applies in South Africa, but maybe worth looking at as people yes, decide, definitely. I'm not going to spend uh, 50,000 rand on a wedding, I'm just going to just get a common law agreement with a lawyer, something like that. Exactly. Now, yes. having spoken to you off air, Suzanne, and having just, you've just been through, we've all just been through Women's Month, and I had a great conversation with one of your colleagues about financial matters, particularly pertaining to women. It seems to me, from what you've said to me, and having a little bit of a read of your article, that women get the short end of the stick and sometimes they can be manipulated by the man because of certain circumstances. Maybe you want to expand upon that. Yes, I've come across a number of cases um, in my daily dealings where the woman has been told that she doesn't have a case or where it's been told that told to her that she can't claim for maintenance or for anything against uh, retirement funds. And that is actually untrue. Um, according to the Divorce Act amendments in 1989, and then also the clean break principle that was effective since 13 September 2007, a non-member spouse 
has got a claim against a retirement product, either retirement annuity or a pension or a provident fund or preservation fund. She does not have a claim against a living annuity. She can only load a claim against the income from a living annuity. Hmm. And that, like I told you, gets my blood boiling when an investor comes to me and tells me this is the information I got because it's in the acts. They do have a claim. If you go to court with your facts, with your claims, they can a claim, a claim can be instituted, but it has to become a, a court order, an official court order document. Otherwise, it won't stand. Okay, but often, for example, and you, you sort of gave me the stylized view of a typical South African marriage where the man earns the money, the woman stays at home or earns less and looks after the kids, that's, that sort of thing. Does that sort of empower the man and make the woman's case less impactful because she doesn't know what her rights are? And that's where you come in, of course. Yes. So... That is exactly where I would like to focus as well, is to empower women and to educate women. And that's why I always ask my male clients as well to incorporate and include their, uh, their wives, their spouses, their, their children or their fiancés into financial planning to educate them and to make them aware of what is going out on there or what is going on out there and what can they do if something should happen? They need to be made aware of it because currently in most of the cases, and I'm not, I'm really not trying to generalize, but in most of the cases I see, it is the woman that's been manipulated to kind of just accept that she doesn't have a claim or she doesn't have a foot to stand on where the men will then generally go and say, um, I've got retirement funds, but you're not allowed to touch them. You should wait until I die because I name you. I can only name you as a beneficiary on these policies, mm. which is inaccurate. Yeah, it's actually, and then it's actually archaic as well. Because I mean, come on now. I, I would imagine most of the legal representatives of of the couples that are about to divorce or have been divorced, and most of the legal people are, are men as well. I would have thought. I don't know. Maybe it's changing. You know better than I. No, definitely. I mean, it's it's been around for many years. And when you do um, these retirement applications, it's one of the sectors in the brochures and stuff on what the rules and regulations are with regards to these funds. And it is possible, even the Government Employee Pension Fund, they've amended their rules as well in 2019, where they implemented certain uh, um, rules and stuff where non-member spouses can get access immediately to their claims against the funds. There are so many other little nuances here to this as well, Suzanne. What happens if the member has emigrated? Uh, but I, I want you to sort of put it all together in a neat sort of summary package, if you would. What is your advice to the man and the woman when they decide that perhaps after counselling and everything else, they're going to get divorced? Do you sit down with both of them or do you sit, sit down with one of them? What, is, what happens and what do you say and what is your advice, please? Okay, so normally you only get involved after the whole fact where, and then you sit with only one spouse. So my, okay. my advice would be to make sure that your attorney gets the wording correct of your claim. 
because in most cases, some say more than 70% of the cases, the actual wording of the claim to the division of the pension interests is not correct and that makes it not binding on the fund. So my advice is always to the uh, claimant that the attorney they use should be encouraged to send the proposed wording to the actual fund, divorce department, department and ask them if that wording is correct and if that would be binding on that their specific fund. Most of the funds has got an attorneys or legal departments that will assist you in this um, and they will tell the attorney, yes, we will or no change it this way. That's the first part. Secondly, be aware of the periods available and applicable to divorce orders. There's a certain number of days under which you have to do certain things. If not, your claim becomes null and void. So that is number two. Number three, if the member has immigrated, so in the instance that a non-member spouse lodged a claim against an immigrated member in another country, that member must apply to South African court to have the divorce order recognized and enforced in South Africa. So in 2011, the pension funds adjudicator in the case of Edgar versus Momentum and others ruled that the place of residence plays a very important role in deciding whether to recognize the judgment of the foreign court or not. This is because the common law procedure to have such a judgment recognized and enforced within South Africa is to bring an action in a South African court to make that foreign judgment own. I think the message here is that if the, the worst does happen and you say four out of, only four out of ten uh, marriages get to the ten-year stage, I think you've, you've got to get a financial advisor. But I would advise anyone listening to this, if you feel uh, aggrieved, and particularly if you're a woman, I would go to Suzanne <laughs> Hellman because um, <laughs> you're terrifyingly passionate about this. But, but, but seriously, uh, I think this is going to be a busy part of your business in the future, Suzanne. It, it might be. And yeah, for me, it's very important to educate the investors, both women and um, men, it, on this matter is to know that you've got options and make sure you know what your options are and what your rights are in a divorce. Very good. Suzanne, thanks so much for your insight. That was really informative and really enjoyable. Suzanne Hellman is from Brentos Wealth. And that was It's My Money. It's My Money was brought to you by Brentos Wealth an award-winning boutique wealth management company. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or opinion of any other agency, organization, employer or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.